What's up, guys? In this podcast, I'm going to divulge my head coach rankings. Now, I'm not going to rank all 32 guys. I guess I could have done that, but I think once I got down to like 26, 27, 28, 29, like all that kind of stuff, you guys would have been a little bit bored because I would have kept saying pretty much the same thing. So I'm going to go the top 15 guys. I was originally going to go top 10, but then I looked at it and I'm as I'm making the list and I'm like, man, there are some really good coaches that are not going to be in the top 10 that I don't want to exclude because they're really good. I want to talk about them and at least, you know, let you guys know where I see them because right now in the NFL, there are a ton of really good head coaches. So anyways, let's get into it. I'm going to start in reverse order because I think that's probably best. And we'll go at number 15. This guy is um, a good head coach. Three years as a head coach entering his fourth season now. His name is Mike Vrabel. Okay. He's a really good coach. Like I said, they went to the they went to the AFC Championship game in just his second year as head coach. He's um, in his three years. He's won nine games, won nine games, and then won eleven games. So they're trending up. And I, for the record, by by the way, guys, I didn't include in in this list a coach like Kevin Stefanski uh, because he just coached one year. The we I do have one guy in here that's only coached two years. But to me, that's like the bare minimum. And if you've only coached two years, you have to have serious success in that time. So, excuse me, one-year head coach, I can't quite get behind putting you in the top 15 because I feel like we don't quite know for sure exactly what you are and who you are just yet because we need to see you overcome adversity and things like that. We have seen Mike Vrabel do that. We saw him you know, go from one quarterback to another, and that's not easy to do, especially when Marcus Mariota, the guy, was loved by his teammates and stuff. So for him to be able to keep control of the locker room, go to the other quarterback, it worked out great. And then to keep the locker room together afterwards where we see Mariota supporting Ryan Tannehill, I thought that was pretty impressive. So, um, yeah, Mike Vrabel, in my opinion, obviously we know he's been to the AFC Championship. He's a tough dude. He's a very savvy game manager. And he has an opportunity this year to – really move up this ranking in my opinion i think he's i think he's one of the better young coaches in football and he's going to be around for a long time we've got coaches on this list right here and we all know who they are that have been coaches for over 20 years head coaches i think that this guy's in the very very early stages of what should be a very long and successful career so mike brable um 15 for me number 14 is going to be ron rivera i wanted to put rivera higher i thought just having conversations with people yesterday that he would be in my top 10 i was like yeah probably be my top 10 you know but when i look at it objectively because you guys know I'm i'm a panther fan i'm a big fan of ron rivera i couldn't put him in the top 10 just because i couldn't justify putting him over some of these other guys because here's the bad things about Rivera when you look at just the criteria and why he's only at 14 for me. Um, first of all, I think higher of him than this. You know, I think uh, – um, but anyways, seven quote-unquote losing seasons in his 10-year career. Okay, so that doesn't sound good, right? That sounds that sounds awful. However, let me, let me add some context to that. Those seven losing seasons were actually only five in, in reality because – he was um, he made the playoffs in two of those losing seasons. So like last year was one of them. And they also I believe they won a playoff game with the Panthers and he almost won a playoff game in Washington. So that was um, that's not really a losing season. Right. But technically speaking, record wise, losing seasons. Yes. And I'll go as far as to say this. I only really call it maybe three or four losing seasons because when Rivera was hired by the Panthers, he took over a one in 15 team. 
He started a raw rookie quarterback in Cam Newton, who obviously had a great rookie season. He was the rookie of the year, obviously. He was he was an insanely good as a rookie, even though he was raw. So with Rivera, it's like, what can you expect them to win more than seven games after they only won one the previous year? I think they were I'm pretty sure the Panthers went either six and ten or seven and nine in his first year. So I'm not really even going to penalize him too much for that because anybody taking over a one and 15 team, chances are you're not going to be very good. I mean, that defense was awful in Carolina that year that like just personnel wise, it was awful. It was just embarrassing, you know, and and talent wise offensively wasn't great either. So what he was able to get in that 2011 season out of that team was pretty much, I think was a great job, especially for a first time, first year head coach. So anyways, um, Five playoff appearances in 10 years. That's kind of a way to say it in a way where it's really showing the good of what he did has done in those 10 years. And he also, he went 15 and one in 2015, you know, and his defenses are usually good. And he made the Super Bowl, right, in, in 2015. And and obviously, you know, that Super Bowl didn't end the way us Panther fans would have hoped. And, and I, I still believe we were the better team all in all. But hey, they played better that day. They were a very dominant defense, and Jericho Cotri caught it. If he if they call that play right, I'm convinced the Panthers win that game, it, or it'd be a lot closer than it actually was. Because the very next play, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, Jericho Cotri on I believe it was like third and twelve or something like that on the second. I believe it was the second series, maybe even the first series of the game. It was early in the game for sure. Jericho Cotri gets thrown a ball over the middle of the field from Cam Newton, hits him in the hands, it pops up. Then Katri catches it, goes to the ground. It moves, but it clearly never touches the ground. They called it an incomplete pass. It was clearly a catch. The very next play, Von Miller sack fumble touchdown. So it was, it was, and the Broncos were already up 3 0. So it, that made it 10 0. It was, that was just a game changing sequence right there. And if there was ever a call for you to miss, it just couldn't be that one in that game. So, anyways, let me uh, let me get it on a positive note here as I move up the list. All right, number thirteen is Mike McCarthy, right? Yes, I know he hasn't been great lately, but he's been. That was a brand new team last year with the Cowboys, and it was a limited offseason because of the COVID stuff, and his quarterback got hurt. So we're not going to penalize him too hard for last year. But when you look over the last, um, I believe it's four years, because he was fired midway through. Um, his last season in Green Bay, whatever that was. But he's been, yeah, oh, so, so, 17, 26, and 1 is his record lately. However, when you look at his full body of work, 14 years, he's a Super Bowl champion. He's only had four losing seasons in 14 years. Um, so you have to put some respect on Mike McCarthy's name. And I, I always say, like, yes, Aaron Rodgers is great and all that, but there's a guy on this list, Sean Payton, that we're going to talk about later. Sean Payton with Drew freaking Breeze had – three consecutive seven and nine seasons. So we're not going to sit here and, and just tell, you know, act like Mike McCarthy wasn't a good coach in green Bay when he was there. And, and that, that was definitely a part of the reason why they were successful. It was a part of the reason why Aaron Rodgers was successful. You know, he was a good coach. So yes, Mike McCarthy for me is number 13. Number 12 is going to be another Mike and his name is Zimmer. So Mike Zimmer in his seven years as a Minnesota Vikings head coach, two losing seasons. Right, he won 13 games with Case Keenum, guys. 13 with Case Keenum. Yes. So when you look at Mike Zimmer, you think defense, right? 
and rightfully so. But what he's also very good at is managing the games. Like he is very good at understanding where his team can succeed at and kind of really putting an emphasis on that in terms of the games. Another guy that's really good at that is Sean McDermott. Ron Vera is good at that. Uh, Pete Carroll's phenomenal at that. Bill Belichick, of course, is great. I mean, they're all they're all to an extent good at that. But that's kind of where I see Mike Zimmer's expertise is just being able to manage the game properly, being able to obviously almost always, aside from last year, put out a very respectable product on the defensive side of the ball and then use the offense to play to that strength. That's typically what he's done. Now I think his offense is even better than his defense, and I think his defense will be much better than it was last year. So in my opinion, Mike Zimmer still has a long coaching career ahead of him if he feels like coaching for a long time. And to me, I just think he's a very reliable and consistently consistent winning head coach. That's not easy to do, right? As I said, one losing season in the last seven years, if I was making, I'm sorry, two losing seasons in the last seven years, if I was making this list last year, he would only had one in six years, you know? So, because uh, they ultimately went seven to nine last year. They were awful, right? They had a bad, bad record early on. They were like one in five last year, finished seven to nine still. So he's still able to, and that's another reason or thing I look for in head coaches is can you push through adversity? Mike Zimmer has proven to be able to do that. And um, yeah, so he is number 13, I'm sorry, number 12 for me. Number 11 is going to be Bruce Arians. All right, this guy has one, just one losing season in his seven-year career. So I'm hoping you guys understand why I had to put guys like McCarthy, Zimmer, and Arians ahead of Ron Rivera. You know, one losing season in seven years for Arians, two losing seasons in seven years for Zimmer. It's a little bit hard to get behind seven losing seasons in 10 years, even though it's really only five because he made the playoffs in those years. So it's it you can kind of, kind of sort that out how you like, but I just couldn't use that in terms of, uh, I couldn't put Rivera ahead of them because they have kind of similar body of works in terms of sample sizes and all that. So I couldn't quite get there, but in any case, uh, yeah, Bruce Arians champion as of last year, right? Wins champion, only one losing season. He also is very, very good at building a great staff, right? He's, he's put together very good staffs. I mean, Todd Bowles, Made, went on to be a head coach, and now he's back being the uh, defensive coordinator of Tampa, and along with Brian Left, Byron Leftwich, who will be a head coach probably this time next year or or maybe one year after. So I think that he's really good at what he does from that standpoint. They, they've been able to acquire talent, and he's clearly been a part of that, and I think that that's definitely one of his strengths. And I don't necessarily love the way he manages the game. It's very aggressive, right? He's, he's more of a – like we are going to go down swinging if we go down. And he has, because of that, gone down swinging in multiple occasions. Like, you know, so that from that standpoint, I, I don't think that's his biggest strength. But I definitely like what Bruce Arians brings to the table from an offensive scheming up standpoint. Usually, I think he he can kind of fall in love with the pass a little bit too much at times or with the with the deep pass a little bit too much at times as well. But all in all, man, Bruce Arians, the bad MF, and uh, he's my 11th best coach right now in the NFL. Number 10 for me is, and this is the guy that that. I almost didn't include in here because he has a very small sample size of just two seasons, but it's Matt LaFleur. Man, Matt LaFleur is a bad dude, okay? Only two seasons, but in these two seasons, get this, 13 wins in each season, and he's been to the NFC Championship game twice. I couldn't leave that guy out of there. And you want to say, well, he has Aaron Rodgers. I get that, but Aaron Rodgers in 2000, what was it, 2019, was not 
the Aaron Rodgers that we saw last year. He was not. And Matt LaFleur still managed to win 13 games and still got to the NFC Championship game. So he, Aaron Rodgers was good that year, very good, right? But he was what I was referring to him as, which was a more, um, a little bit better version of Alex Smith. He, that's kind of what Rodgers was. He's like 27 touchdowns, two picks. That's like an Alex Smith on steroids, basically. That's what he was. He wasn't the guy last year, right? But what that shows me is that, number one, Aaron Rodgers obviously is not washed up, and he's now kind of found himself again. But also that Matt LaFleur was able to, hey, take what Rodgers can do or what Rodgers is good at or better at, best at, I should say, and make that the offense, right? I mean, he, you have to give some credit for the breakout season from Rodgers last year compared to 2019, 2018, 2017. You have to give some of that credit to Matt LaFleur, in my opinion. The defense, he clearly made a conscious effort there in terms of uh, – at least in conversations with the GM, I'm sure, to acquire more defensive talent. They did a great job of doing that, and they've still done a great job of that, even including this year in the first round with a guy like Eric Stokes. So all in all, man, with the success Matt LaFleur has had, I couldn't leave him off this list, and I just I think really highly of him because me, as someone that was very skeptical of him for early on, I was like, dude, the Titans' offense isn't that great. Like, Why is this guy getting a head coaching opportunity, and especially in the Green Bay Packers? Da, da, da. But he's been very good. He's been able to overcome adversity. He's been he's been very, very even keel. He's done a good job of managing games, again, like all these guys do for the most part. And obviously, we have to put some respect on his name in terms of offensive play caller because he's very good at scheming up and calling the plays as well. So Matt LaFleur, number 10 for me, and could quickly find his way into the top six or seven here with some more successful seasons like what he's had, especially if he gets to win a championship. All right, number nine, Sean McDermott. Okay, he's only played for, I'm sorry, he's only coached for four seasons as a head coach, uh, but he was also a very, very good defensive coordinator before that. Us Panther fans know that firsthand because the defense without him in Carolina was much different, not nearly uh, as dominant as it was under him. But four seasons in Buffalo, only one losing season, and that's despite his roster was completely overhauled, right? They were, they were cutting everybody it didn't matter it, like how much guaranteed money how much dead money it didn't matter they were cutting everyone because they had the intention on creating a very strong culture there and buffalo my goodness has to me i think the strongest culture in football like if you just look at the way those guys play for each other the way they respect each other the way they love each other like you're not going to hear one buffalo bill come out against cole beasley because they all love each other they know where they stand and that's to credit to Sean McDermott, in my opinion, and Brandon Beam as well. But just the kind of guys they have in there, they they all are team first, you know, and they all kind of accept each other for what they are. So I, I really like what they've got going on there. He made the playoffs in his first season there as a head coach. They were completely overhauled roster, completely talent uh, deficient for the most part. Like they were not a very talented team, and they had – a very mediocre talent pool on the defensive side of the ball in particular. And they were good. Like he was able to really coach them to being a good defense and they won nine games and made the freaking playoffs. It was amazing, an amazing accomplishment. And that was with the, if you guys don't remember the Nathan Peterman and Tyrod Taylor year at quarterback, that was before Josh Allen. So yeah, um, it was it was rough there for a few games with Peterman, but Sean McDermott was able to weather the storm, was able to, you know, get uh, coached through adversity. And those are all things that I really, really respect and look for in a head coach, as I said earlier. So yes, Sean McDermott to me is number nine. And that's, I'm probably low on him as I'm sitting here reading this list now. Number eight, 
Kyle Shanahan. I wanted to put him higher. And honestly, to be fair to Ron Rivera, I probably put him too high at the same time, right? So I wanted to be higher on Shanahan, but on the same time, if I'm holding him to the same criteria as Ron Rivera, I'm not, I'm, I'm actually too high on him because Kyle Shanahan wins over his first four seasons, six, four, 13, six, right? So that's three of four seasons. He's won six or fewer games. From that alone, he should not be in the top eight, right? He should not be my number eight coach. However, I really respect that he took the second worst team in football to a championship game next the, uh, in just one season. So they were they they drafted Boza second overall, right? Meaning they were the second worst team in football, and immediately they get to the Super Bowl and they had a ten point lead in the Super Bowl. Pretty sick, right? So. That, to me, really bolsters Kyle Shanahan up my list. And, and also the fact that he's able to manufacture offense, no matter who is playing quarterback there, that is one of the most impressive things about him. And he's able to be competitive. They're almost always in the game, right? They are not getting blown out. doesn't matter who they have starting at quarterback. Could be an undrafted free agent like Nick Mullins. Could be, you know, whoever it might be. Kyle Shanahan, he has a great ability to, to manage the football game. He's up there as good as anybody, in, in my opinion, in the NFL right now as far as coaches go. And he is he understands how to put kind of a new age spin on it, but he's very much old school in terms of like you've got to run the football, you got to have a good defense, you got to have a good pass rush, things like that. So I really respect the way he's going about it, and I also respect the, the accomplishments that he's made even though the winning consistency hasn't been there. And I know a lot of people say, well, that's because the quarterback position was injured and you'd be right in saying that. And that's why I have Matt eight, but still, if I'm holding him to the same standard as a guy like Ron Rivera or, you know, some of these other guys we'll talk about soon, it's gotta, you know, it's, it's tough for me to have him at eight. I wanted to have him even higher. I wanted to have him at like four or five, but I couldn't quite get there just because he's got three or four losing seasons so far in his career. But I expect many, many more winning seasons for Kyle Shanahan, especially when my guy Trey Lance gets on that field. So Kyle Shanahan is my eighth best coach right now. Number seven is Sean McVay. I don't know how you could make a top 10 list and not have this guy on it. I'm so, like, I was skeptical of Sean McVay as well. I thought that Sean McVay was getting way too much praise after one year. I really did. Now, what did he do since then? He's shown me a few things. He's shown he can overcome adversity. He's shown that he can manage games and not, not just adversity, but he can overcome roster turnover, coach turnover. Like he fired Wade Phillips and brought in some guy nobody ever heard of in Brandon Staley, and they had the best defense in football. The defense got considerably better despite losing several starters on that defense, right? So it was that was awesome. And you have to give him credit for that. He hired Brandon Staley, you know, and he's already got two guys that have gotten head coaching jobs from his you know, coming from his tree, so to speak. So Sean McVay in his four seasons, he has win totals of 11, 13, 9, and 10. And um, yeah, man, he's just been extremely consistent, no losing seasons. He will be a double-digit win season again this year, in my opinion. I mean, I, the only thing that could happen is that Stafford could miss some games, and that might be the only reason why. But for my and for my money, Sean McVay is going to win 10 to 12 games this year. His team's going to make the playoffs again. They've made it in three or four years. And uh, yeah, man, I think I just think he's a really, really good coach. I think he's awesome at managing the game. Obviously, knows what he's doing from a, you know, how to scheme it up and call the plays and stuff like that. And he's a great leader. He can over he can overcome adversity. And that team has had a very strong culture ever since he's gotten there. And he took a team, guys, that was 
offensively inept. Like they were terrible. And they were immediately averaging 30 points a game in year one, right? He he drafted a kid named Cooper Cup that nobody gave a shit about before the draft in the third round. And he he brought in some guys in the offensive line. So again, prioritizing the trenches um, and prioritizing the run game. He fed the hell out of Todd Gurley. He's been a 50% run guy his whole career there as a head coach. So I really like a lot of the foundational pieces of what Sean McVay is as a head coach. And that's why, to me, he's at number seven, again, with the sustained success he's had over four years as well. Number six, Sean Payton. Okay, so I know a lot of people will be higher on Sean Payton. I'm not quite there with you. And you might say, well, that's because you're a Panther fan and all that stuff. And you might be right, right? But Here's the good about Sean Payton. Ten or more wins in nine of his 14 seasons. He's had four losing seasons, right? So um, that's not a bad percentage at all. He's a Super Bowl champion. You know, I, I would just make the argument that, guys, the dude had one of the very best top 10 quarterbacks of all time, in my opinion, Drew Brees. And as I mentioned earlier, he lost. Three, or he had three consecutive losing seasons where Drew Brees played every single game. You know, so at some point or another, you've got to take responsibility for that, right? And over the last few years, as great as he's been as a head coach, they have had objectively a top three team in terms of talent, right? They have been loaded to the gills with talent up and down that roster. So that to me is not, you obviously still have to go up there and win the games, and he's done that. But, you know, it's kind of, I would say you could make the argument at least that it's it's been disappointing that they haven't been able to get to a Super Bowl at least, right, in, the, in that time where they've been so talented and they've had home field advantage for the most part, I believe, in, in really all those years or most of those years recently. So, yeah, Sean, Mc, or, I mean, sorry, Sean Payton, very good coach, consistent winner, has, has a very nice body of work when you look at the whole picture. But, you know, I, I'd still think you could say he's been a little bit disappointing in terms of playoff success as of late. So that's why he's at six for me. Number five is John Harbaugh. So one losing season in 13 years, Super Bowl champion. You could argue that this guy has never even had an elite quarterback, at least not in his first 10 or 11 years where he had Joe Flacco, you know, and Joe Flacco was good, but I don't think anybody's going to say he was quote unquote elite. Right. He had that elite playoff run that year. But for the most part, um, John Harbaugh's done this with old, good old fashioned consistency, uh, run the football successfully, have a great defense, um, you know, just out coaching guys to wins. And he's been able to do it so consistently. Like I said, one losing season in 13 years. And he's basically made the playoffs in every year. Like he's it seems like the Ravens are always there in the playoffs. They, as I said, won a championship i mean he just he checks all the boxes as a head coach but he can sustain success he can win with different players like you're going to see it again this year they let matt judon walk he'll have that defense manufacturing pressure somehow some way and the baltimore ravens will be a very good team and they'll be in the playoffs yet again because they have john harbaugh in large part at least because they have john harbaugh so he's number five for me number four is mike tomlin dude this guy is amazing he hasn't even had one losing season in his entire 14-year career. No Ben Roethlisberger in 2019, almost the entire season he missed, and it just didn't matter. They were like, I think they were 0-3 for sure, maybe even 0-4, and they finished 8-8. Eight eight. The dude is, and they were like very close to making the playoffs that year. I think they, they lost a couple games down the stretch, but they were... They just became this juggernaut of a defense, and really, he's been able to adapt and change. They've won with 
all defense. They've won with all offense. They've won with balance. They've done, you know, they've been a heavy pass team, heavy run team. He has shown different ways to win. He can manage the game. He understands what he has in his team and what their strengths are, and he plays to it or he coaches to it. And um, he's just a great game manager and the, the consistency that they never take a team lightly. They, they, they never have those games where they come out and they're like, man, we just underestimated that. No, he doesn't allow that. He just doesn't accept that his intensity is consistent and he's extremely disciplined. Mike Tomlin is a fantastic coach. He's my number four head coach in the NFL. Number three, Pete Carroll. Yes. I know a lot of you are going to hate this one, right? Let me, let me use the example again of Sean Payton. Since I'm a Panther fan. I like to throw him under the bus. Take the talent difference of what Seattle has had lately and what New Orleans has had the last few years. And now look at their win, like the win difference. It's not much, right? Because Seattle's been pretty damn good, even with the void of talent in terms of at least some places, right? Then look at what Sean Payton has done in 14, uh, 2014 through 2016, where he went 7-9, 7-9, 7-9. Now... All of you that are hating on Pete Carroll being at number three, you'll tell me it's only because he has Russell Wilson. So what's Sean Payton's excuse for having three consecutive seven win seasons? I, I don't see I don't I don't see you making that. Like we can't just use that when it applies and then also just kind of shove it under the rug when it doesn't add up. Right. So if you if, I'm sorry, but if you give Pete Carroll Drew Brees, he's not only going to win seven games, at least not for three straight years. Pete Carroll has been able to get more out of less in terms of talent on the defensive side of the ball while they rebuild than any almost any coach I can think of right now in terms of just how he's able to get so much out of the young guys. He is a general manager's best friend because their general manager, let's face it, has not been that great. I'm sorry. He, he likes to trade back and, and accumulate those picks in the mid and late rounds. But a lot of times that gives you that equals a lot of mediocre players or players that shouldn't even be starting that are right. And that's what we've seen. And Pete Carroll has been able to maximize that and get the most of that. So I like the way that he's besides last season really stuck to the run game and kind of protected Russell Wilson that way because they don't want to get the guy hurt, you know, in terms of just dropping back the pass every day with a, or every down with a bad offensive line. But uh, zero losing seasons in the last, I think it's since um, 2011, right? He just, he hasn't had a losing season. So he's only had one season with less than 10 wins over the last nine years, right? So Pete Carroll is the guy that checks every box, in my opinion. He's a Super Bowl champion. He's been to another one. He has sustained success. He has done so with different personnel. He's done so with adversity. It's just he's been able to weather every storm that's come his way since being a uh, the Seattle Seahawks head coach. So Pete Carroll, to me, is number three. Number two is Andy Reid. This is an easy one, guys. This guy's had three losing seasons in 22 years as a head coach. For you youngsters, he was the head coach in Philadelphia before Kansas City, believe it or not. He had a very similar run in terms of success, sustained success in Philadelphia. But by the way, a lot of you are going to say, well, it's only because he has Patrick Mahomes. Well, you want to hear his win totals in Kansas City before Mahomes got there? It was 11, 9, 11, 12, 10. Andy Reid is the real freaking deal. He is maybe the best offensive mind in football and one of the best in the history of football, one of the very best play callers in football from the offensive side of the ball, one of the uh, most just – sustained success head coaches you can find he's been to three super bowls several conference championship games back in philly they went three years in a row off the top of my head i believe that's the truth um, i hope i'm not lying but that's yes andy reed is just everything you look for in a successful head coach and i'll tell you what if patrick mahomes misses four games this year they won't lose more than two of them 
they're likely going to win three or four because he's just that freaking good. And like Kyle Shanahan, he can manufacture offense no matter who's playing quarterback for him. So Andy Reid is clearly number two for me. And I mean, if he wins a few more championships before it's all said and done, he may be giving Bill Belichick a run for his money as, tar- as far as the greatest coach of all time, because I think that highly of Andy Reid. Okay. Bill Belichick is obviously number one, right? Two losing seasons in 21 years as the Patriots head coach. Now, Obviously, we know that a lot of that has to do with Tom Brady, but I'm one of these guys that I give a lot of the credit to Belichick, and I also give a lot of the credit to Brady because I think both of them made each other better. When you go to nine freaking Super Bowls together, that's because you're both great. You don't do that with a mediocre head coach. Bill Belichick, for all those that think he's not a great head coach, you're going to find out this year, this guy is unbelievable. He can manage the game with the best of them. He can game plan with the best of them. He can put his players in position to succeed with the best of them. Like He's truly elite in all those areas. The only place he's not necessarily elite at is the GM duties, in terms, of, at least in terms of the draft. He's able to acquire talent for pennies on the dollar a lot of times with guys like Trent Brown, Kyle Van Noy, Jamie Collins, stuff like that. But what he's not able to do consistently is draft great players early. Right. He's been able to get some good guys late, like Julian Edelman, those types of guys. But Bill Belichick, man, six championships, nine Super Bowl appearances, 18 double-digit win season with out of 21 years in New England. He is obviously right now the greatest coach in football history and number one for me on this list. So if you're enjoying the podcast, give it a share, give it a re- leave it a review, all that stuff. And um, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow, guys. Peace.